just to continue with the discourse, short discourse on the lion's roar. Because there are four, the four kinds of clinging, clinging to sense pleasures, clinging to views, clinging to rules and observances, and clinging to a theme or a way of self, Atavada. <clears throat> he says that most most of the Brahmins and recluses don't they get past one maybe like clinging to sense pleasures but they don't understand the other three or they understand two they don't understand all four so you can see them as kind of successive layers of clinging you know the first obvious one is clinging or feeding on or holding on to sense pleasure and something we can you know, witness, check out, test that sense of what happens when sense pleasure arises, the, the holding on to it. <clears throat> yeah. Taking it, feeling it's mine, it's filling me, it's, uh, it's making me feel better, it's good for me. <laughs> yeah. Clinging to, to views... This is being and non-being, and uh, so these two. So this is really the more the psychological level. Um, being somebody, some sense of uh, you know that which is um, filled with uh, enjoyment or pain. You know, so we experience a holding on to to uh, pleasure or. Resistance to pain, your sense of somebody who's going to be filled by it, or, or, you know, or destroyed by it, or whatever. But what we recognise actually is that pleasure and pain move; they pass through. There isn't somebody there; they really fill, and reward, substantiate in some way or another. <coughs> These views, then, I think a lot, perhaps view is to, it's a word that one can misunderstand. I think it's much more than just an idea. It's a real um, inclination. It's a reflex to fill up, to be a firm center, to have something definite that one is. And uh, so this is bhava, and the vibhava is the wish to get rid of something that one th- assumes one is. So it's not a kind of release from being, it's a assuming that we are something and then <laughs> trying to get rid of the thing that we've assumed we are. So this is often the self-criticism, the, uh, the uh, kind of depressive or the negativity towards an assumed self. Yeah. And there's this nice saying in the New Dana. <coughs> he says, those, those who've said that freedom from being comes around through some kind of being, that is getting some better state or another, being something, you know, feeling more positive about oneself or having an affirmative sense of self. None of them 
are freed from being. Whatever recluses and Brahmins have said that escape from being comes about through non-being, none of them, I say, have escaped from being. So you don't get out of becoming by negating yourself. Uh, this is quite uh, important. So a lot of that's what the reflex can happen when we get so annoyed or disappointed with one's apparent self that we you know, either try and lift it up and make it into something or you try and you know, wipe it out or feel negative about it. But all of that is just intensifying the density of this experience. It's adding more wrappings around it. None of them have escaped from being. This suffering arises dependent upon clinging. With the ending of all grasping, all suffering, no suffering is produced. No suffering is produced. So, sort of like you... He's putting it very clearly. When when that habit of uh, holding on to stops, then there isn't any. You're not creating any suffering. Doesn't mean there's no pleasure and pain, decrease and increase. But the particular suffering that can be um, eliminated can be eliminated is just this creation. So the Buddha pointed different kinds of dukkha. And the one that we can um, do something about is just generating the sense of self around things. Then the feelings, and the point of that is that it's not just that you don't, um, you don't feel anything, but there's a, there's a with elimination of that density, there's a, there's a space. Put it that way. When something isn't filling up, when the center of the mind is not occupied with this um, being something, which is actually active, a continual clinging and trying to hold and pull things in, where there isn't that magnetic pull, there's a, there's a space, an openness, an emptiness, and a clarity, you know, so that that neither creates anything, and also, you could say... The experience is one of a space that allows things to pass through. It just doesn't, you know, we can empty. There isn't that being hit. It's more like a cloud that things can move through. <coughs> but then you have these different um, layers of it. So the first layer of clinging around sense data. Second, around uh, trying to be or not be which is more, I would suggest, the, often the meditator's conundrum, trying to be, you know, get rid of themselves. <laughs> their, their, their traumas and their neurosis and their, what they assume they are. So to get past that, I mean, what has to be generated or, you know, compassion or spaciousness, equanimity, Clarity, firmness—you know—these are the positive factors that get get generated around that. Taking, uh, you know, resisting or not inclining towards being and not being. <coughs> it means, for example, that the, the you know our functioning self is seen as very relative. You're not trying to get rid of a functioning self. There's some sense of an identity. 
you experience identity, but it's not in the center. It's uh, a means, um, it's a relative position. In fact, that is something to be developed. It's developed through ethics and through meditation. You're developing a relative self. That is a, uh, an orientation around virtue and around generosity and around kindness and around calm and composure and clarity. You know? So that, you know, so that, that, though that is there, but it's relative, it's not ultimate, it's not finalized. So if you look at something like the, even the level of precepts, they're not actually that ultimate. It's not like Jane, where you can't even scratch yourself because that's considered an act of violence. The Buddha's saying, well, no, just, just try and stop killing, killing creatures. <laughs> You know, it's not taken to an ultimate dogmatic degree, an ideological degree, just a pragmatism to, you know, doesn't say stop eating anything because you're, you know, by that you're depriving other creatures of food. You're allowed to, you're allowed to have a relative place. So it's not this kind of a wipeout of self, but a, a moderating, taking responsibility for it. Mm. You know, this is the way we operate. So this is not about non-being. It's about non-clinging. <clears throat> Clinging to rules and observances or systems and customs, the way we structure our lives and our days whether it's a monastic day or your journal, your year planner or the way you like to cook or however you structure, you know. Some people like a lot of structure, some people don't like structure at all. They like to be kind of free and flowing. So whenever one is clinging or to any position on this level, there's going to be conflict. And yet, of course, we use structures and systems, customs. But then there's a sense of, well, yeah, you know, we just do it this way. Trying to find the ultimate system. So you recognize even in the Buddha, when he established the Vinaya, it was always pragmatic decisions just upon particular cases. And often he seemed to change tack. You know, he'd make one decision, and then he'd say, well, yeah, but in this case, do it this way. And then, well, in this case, sometimes four or five times. Just, uh, you know, not working from an ideological principle. And then saying, well, in the future, you could, you know, adjust. As long as you keep bearing in mind what we're trying to do with these training rules and principles and structures, is eliminate the influxes, the corruptions, the biases, and give faith and inspiration and, and confidence for for the people who Dhamma practitioners. So it's, it's something that one can get very hard line about because there's something attractive about hard lines, nice, clear, stable, sorted out, that's it. 
But you realize that actually life isn't like that. It doesn't, there aren't any straight lines. Everything is bent. Even light bends. <laughs> but as a relative, yeah, yeah, you actually need to develop it. Because if you don't, we either go into no system which is madness, or rigidity. So developing it is developing systems, structures, which are not taken as standpoints, as dogmatic biases, as, um, you know, difference between a dogmatist and a terrorist is you can generally negotiate with a terrorist. So it's also the same with meditation systems, isn't it? You know, we want to get the right system. And sometimes you get these quite attractive, very precise systems based on the commentaries and the Abhidharma. It's all lined up, levels and stages and lines and this, that and the other. It's kind of attractive and it's it's clarity. But, you know, then people can tend to squabble. So as you probably know, you know some places you know, where they've got a system don't won't even let you meditate there because your vibes might contaminate their nice clean system. True, unfortunately, it's true. <laughs> you know, there was somebody getting thrown out because they were doing satipatthana, not vipassana. You know, getting thrown out doing satipatthana, not, not doing vipassana, whatever that means, you know. So don't come here with that satipatthana stuff. Um, or, or, you know, or, or watching, or whether you're focusing on the breathing in your belly or in your nose. There's different schools around that. And, you know, and you look in the suttas, the Buddha doesn't say. He leaves it fairly open. So there's that sense in it, it's actually, these are possibilities what works for you, yeah. But it's not; it doesn't dominate. You're trying to actually use something like having a the reins or the bridle or the saddle on a horse. But the most important thing is the horse. Otherwise, you ain't got no horse. You know, no actual spiritual strength and clarity and confidence and ability to move and flex, what's the point of having a bridle? But bridles are predictable, horses aren't. So, you know, when we're really developing meditation systems, you've got to have that sense of, you know, how do you how do you operate it? You know, when's it time to you know, moderate your energy one way or another, develop patience. Step back, change the meditation thing. You know, reflect, spend some time carefully thinking things over. You know, start to analyze what your obsessive thoughts are saying. What's, where's, where does that go? Look at the topics. You know, focus on the energy coming into your body. Feel the energy. So you have this sense of uh, 
the skill, really, to my mind, is the skill of of being fluent, like in a language where you can you can use different, you know, poetry or prose or drama or singing. You know, you can use it in different ways, has slightly different effects. I mean, also you, get, you kind of start to contemplate that that. Uh, that attraction to to structures, customs, observances, systems, rules. You know, they present such a sense of firmness and eternal clarity. My mind feels reassured there's something definite, knowable we can do and it's going to work. But clinging to them tends to cause conflict. This is something we know, either with others or also with oneself. Your own energies, moods, feelings. So relative, using them in this kind of relative way. And the last kind of clinging is a clinging to the the sense of self, one finding your true self, being yourself, annihilating yourself, not having a self, getting past the self, uh, what I really am, what I really, really, really am behind the I am's, and na- you know the true nature of myself. Just how, you know, why, why do we? What's that? Ha- what's happening there? And it's a sense of this longing for a fundamental unity. Again, quite a powerful longing we have, very instinctive sense of the same thing with what all these things do. They present one with some sense of something solid that you can get to and have, be, you know, held in, hold on to, know, feel affirmed by, feel filled with. Hmm? And uh, right at the bottom of it comes this fundamental premise that there's some unified thing, immaterial entity, right there underneath it all. And uh, Buddhists say, well, is that true? Is that true? There's that assumption, there's that wish, there's that inclination, there's sometimes a dread my real self is a basket case, yeah. <laughs> but is it true? What do we what do we really experience? What's really we experienced? This is dynamics, flow, push, pull, holding, releasing, opening, closing, happy, sad. A lot of dynamic stuff, and we assume there must be somebody in there. doing it or having it done to them. And the Buddha says, well, just, you know, not to deny that, but just put that assumption aside as an assumption and recognizing when you see in the, the more obvious things, like the clinging to sense pleasure, the quality in that, you know, that the, the assumption, the view that there's something there that will fill you know, delight, satisfy, comfort, 
Mm. And you see, well, it sort of has that appearance for a moment, for a while, then it's passing. It doesn't actually complete. Look, just contemplate that, that very assumption, that view, and the energy that goes there. The taking so that's pretty much more obvious with the sense sense pleasures. Or of course with with um, discomfort. You know, one was walking up and down in the cold, and you can feel these sensations and energies on your skin. You know, and there's a there's a real something pulling away, trying to find a place where that isn't. You know, drawing in, trying to not be that, trying to find some place where there isn't. But when you feel the, the experience, say, of coolness or cold, there's just movements of energy, quite tingly, sharp, moving around, energy moving around, and, say, unpleasant feeling. That's happening. Mm-hmm. And there's that pulling and pushing dynamic that's happening. Is there somebody there? So the Buddha's you know, presentation at the end of this is just says, well, you know, you actually con- a true someone who <clears throat> he completely describes the Tathagata completely describes the full understanding of all kinds of clinging. Four kinds of clinging have craving or thirst as their source. Thirst has feeling as its source. Feeling has contact. Contact has sense bases. Sense bases has nama rupa, name and form as its base. Consciousness is the base of name and form. Consciousness has sankharas as its source and origin. And sankharas have unknowing or ignorance as their origin. You know, so there's something that's not being seen that keeps this dynamic going, the sense of not seeing it. It says, when ignorance is abandoned and true knowledge has arisen, then with a fading way of ignorance and the arising of true knowledge, one no longer clings to so on. When one doesn't cling, one is not agitated, when it's not agitating, one personally attains Nibbāna. So, you want to think about this is there's a very, <clears throat> you know, what's not said is that he gets rid of anything. Apart from, you could say, he abandons ignorance. You know, so, it's, and true understanding arises. Abandoning ignorance, true understanding arises. So this uh, sense of when something is abandoned, an assumption, and not knowing or a, or a wrong assumption is abandoned, then true knowledge arises. And the true knowledge is, is clinging, fades, comes to, doesn't happen. And you can look at it quite specifically when you, you know, look at something like sense contact, 
what is it that occurs there, the quality of feeling, this powerful, and that's, that's almost like, that's basic, you know, it's going to be that. But then the, this inclination is clinging, feeding on, being gravitating towards, being stuck with, fighting with, or adhering to. Could that be, could we relax there, could we release that? Could we just see it as feeling doing what feeling does? What feeling is supposed to do, feeling is supposed to feel. Feel the feeling in the feeling. Whether it's a sight, touch, taste, sound, the fear of feeling, the fear of feeling aroused, the fear of feeling displeasure, feeling hurt, feeling excited, feeling guilty about feeling aroused or excited, to just feel the quality of pleasure, pain. If you get to that, then this complications of fantasies or regrets don't have to occur and it gets much cleaner. Feeling is supposed to feel. Mm-hmm. And then the so you generally in this de- dependent origination, which this is partly described here, most teachers recommend either as a sense of uh, witnessing the point where feeling gives rise to craving. Well, you certainly is a dynamic there, you know, that kind of, or when craving gives rise to clinging. So those are the two kind of points that you, you focus on. So when craving has arisen, there's no, you can't, you know, you actually got to work from there. Now when the craving, the thirst for sights, sounds, when that arises, that's where you've got to place that solid sense of direct knowing. And wonderfully enough, we have, despite this quite detailed exploration of some of the seeming web of difficulties that we're in, there's a sense of a clarity, the direct knowing that just, you know, takes us out of the dream. Directly know craving for what it is, clinging for what it is. And that's still, the direct knowing is quite still. It's a different, it's not, it's not moving, it's not pushing, it's not resisting, it's just quite still. And it's that stillness, the openness, the, the non-doing, the witnessing the non-doing that it's almost like unravels or allows these dynamic things to to unravel. Of course, from the self-image point of view, it's a bit harrowing or humbling just to see how much of it is kind of mad. <laughs> you know, or doing sort of pathetic things. sort of petty, uh, pointless meanderings, petty little grudges or cravings or so forth. So it's a sort of um, 
workout or one's sense of self-image. <laughs> yes. But then, uh, you know, then the, the, that, that sense of the dispassion, equanimity, you know, and just go and keep back to the knowing. You don't have to form a self out of this um, chaos of the mind. And the knowing, direct, not hurried, not even trying to achieve anything. So it's it's void of those those energies, frustration, impatience, assessment, judgment, achieving, non-achieving. It's empty of that. Just just direct knowing. It doesn't do anything, but provides a almost like a space where this compression can release the compression of these uh, factors and a certain release they they no longer bind together you feel the feeling and it doesn't ignite the the tanha and it's sort of uh, humbling or Sobering just to see how, you know, human existence is structured in this way, is a clinging kind of existence. So, you know, my sense of that, that, Direct knowing and the clarity is always is very modest because you, you know you sense of empathy for how this whole incarnation thing operates around clinging. If it didn't cling, it wouldn't we wouldn't be here. Well, so but then there's also this uh, uh, great possibility to realize the non non clinging where that is. Notice the things where, it, where one, there isn't clinging. It's not happening. Any moment of that not happening. Just seeing something it is with no particular issue of it. Like, there's nothing in here for me. It's not mine. It's not my language. It's not my topic. It's just... Hmm. Notice those. Notice at the end of a, of a feeling or a mental process, you know, you just come into that point where you sort of Oh well, never mind. What was that? When you come to the end of something that was holding you, you take notice of that. Places where the suffering stops or ceases or quietens down, there is that. So this is definitely there also. We're in the realm of Dhamma. We're in the, you know, we're in the realm of karma. We're also in the realm of dhamma. We're an intersection, and it's for us just to keep saying, you know, don't turn that way. Turn this way. You know, turn this way. It's like you're at a road junction. Don't turn down the one that points to karma, <laughs> and more of it and self. Turn this way. Turn left. <laughs> Get it. You know, to to that.